Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. All right. I think we're ready to hear God's word, aren't we, this morning? Yes. Well, praise God you're here. You're here with us. And um, we have been going through the, the book of Psalms just this uh, these past four weeks. This is our last week in the book of Psalms. If you have a reading plan, um, we are going to be reading book five of the Psalms. And uh, if you didn't know already, the Psalms is broken up into five books, and we've been reading reading it out through through these uh, last four weeks. So this is the last week. Um, I, uh, I had a different message prepared earlier this week, and uh, God laid it on my heart to, uh, to preach on a different Psalm than I had originally planned, and it is going to be Psalm 139. And uh, it is, uh, it's just uh, a joy as I've been studying through the psalm just to see the truths that have come out in it and the application for us as individuals and, and as a church. So the way I wanted to begin this morning was just by asking you all a question. And I'm not going to ask you to respond to it before I explain it a little bit further, okay? The question is this. I want to ask you, um, how many people, how many people living on planet Earth would say that they know the true you? How many people living on planet Earth would say that they know the true you? Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some numbers out just, just in a few minutes, but first let me explain. We're not talking about how many followers you have on social media. Okay, let's just get that out of the way first. Okay, that's going to narrow it down a few, a few numbers. All right. Okay, um, we're also not talking about um, the curated Instagram you. That might be you. Okay, we're not talking about those that that know you from Instagram. We're not talking about those that know you from your opinionated Facebook page. Okay, that might be you as well, okay? We're also not talking about, uh, if you're on Twitter, the overly politically biased Twitter page that you might have. Not talking about that, okay? People know these segments of your life, right? But is that the real you? No, it's not complete. Keep on going. Um, We're not talking about the filtered Snapchat you. Who's that, right? (laughs) Some of us have that, that filtered Snapchat going on. Here's something else, though. We're also not talking about the worst of you. Some people only know the worst of us. Some people only hear the worst in us. And can I tell you, that is not the real you either. We're also not talking about those that only know the best of you. You might come to church and people might see the best side of you. That is also not the real you, okay? narrowing it down even further as you're, you're thinking about the people that, that really truly know you. We're not talking about the work you. Sometimes we put on this like facade when we go to work. Um, we're not even talking about who you are just at home. Sometimes we put on an image while we're at home. Um, we're also not talking about maybe, maybe when we just perform and put on, put on a show. We're not talking about that either. So who knows the side of you that they, they see your successes and they also see your failures. They know both. They see the um, fun, 
and the boring side of you. Yeah, those people. Who knows the extroverted and the introverted you? These are the kind of people that, that I want you to identify right now. And so as we, uh, as we go back to that question, how many people would you say actually know the true you? Let me, let me, just, uh, let me just have us raise our hands. How many people would say, I think, I think about 30 people know the true me? 30 people. Okay, nobody here. How many would you say 20? Yeah, okay. Very few. Okay, okay, yeah. We got a, we got a handful of hands, maybe three or four. Okay, that's great. How many would say it's more, it's probably closer to 10? 10 people. Okay, yeah. You're getting a little bit higher. Thanks for, thanks for helping me out. This is awesome. Okay, now how many people would say it's probably closer to five? Okay, yeah. Yeah, all right. So we've, we've brought it down. I think we narrowed, narrowed it down to most of us. But to be honest, um, there are some of you that may say, you know, I don't know if that's any. I don't know if that, that might even be one. I don't know, okay? But as, as we, as we uh, go into the Word of God, what, what we see and know about ourselves is this. And I want, want to bring this, this quote up on the screen. And it's kind of the basis for where David is going this morning as we look at Psalm 139. It's this, that there is nothing that we long for and nothing that we fear more than being known. I think we'd all agree with that this morning. There's nothing that we long for and nothing that we fear more than being known. Our fear is that someone who really knows us might not love us. And there's, there are those of you who don't actually allow yourself to be known by others because of the fear of rejection. Um, there are others, I, I would say, that are, that are actually so fearful of being rejected if they were truly known that they just want to get all that dirt that's in their life out of the way in the first 10 or, 10 or 30 minutes that they meet you, right? You know these people, okay? Maybe, maybe you've been in a line at, at uh, the grocery store or in a, in a coffee shop. Um, I'll tell you, we had a garage sale this past week. And that brings a host of people right into our, our garage, and we engaged in conversation with them. Can I tell you, there was a number of people that, within the first 10 minutes, I think people just come to garage sales to talk, right? <laughs> there's, there's, you know those kind of people. But man, there are some people that we met that we basically knew their whole life story within, within a few minutes. The good, and the bad, and, and the ugly. And what, what happens with these people that, that just are trying to get this out of the way is that, that they want to tell you all the things in their life that they regret, things that, difficult things that they've been going through, so that they can then stop and look at you and kind of ask that question internally, are you going to love the real me? Right? I think we've all been there at one point or another, Right? And, and, you know, if you've been on the receiving end, you may have been sitting there thinking in your head, depending on what their story was, you may have been thinking, man, all I want to do is actually just get away, <laughs> get away from this person. But man, there is nothing that we long for and nothing that we fear more than being known, than being known. Um, 
The vulnerability involved in truly being known is something that most of us are not willing to risk. And that was identified to us this morning in how few people that I think we would honestly say know the real us. And one reason is, I believe, it's because we've tested this out before, and um, maybe we shared with someone all the things in our life, all the things that we've gone through, all the good, all the bad, all the hard, all the ugly, and what they did is that they betrayed us. They let us down. They told someone else. And so because of that, we have this fear of being transparent being open about where we're really at. There is nothing that we long for more, nothing that we fear more than being known. Now, I said we're going to go to the Psalms. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 139 with me this morning, because I believe that this is what David speaks into as far as his relationship with God. He speaks about his relationship with God, and, and into the sphere, the psalmist writes a song expressing the truth about his relationship with an omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, eternal God. And here's verse 1 of this psalm. Check it out. It says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. Why don't we just pray as we get into this, this first psalm. God, we thank you. That as David writes, we can identify with him and we can learn from him and his relationship with you, God. God, we want to be known, but we admit that there is a great deal of fear surrounding being known, especially by you. And so, God, we pray that you would just uncover our fears and, God, that you would just uh, satisfy our longing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you have your bulletins, you can uh, take some notes here. I've got four points this morning as we read through this psalm. Like I said, David is speaking into this, this topic of being known, and that's what I've titled my message this morning, Known. And the first point is this, that we see from David in his writing in verses 1 through 6 is this. He's talking about his relationship with God. And what he recognizes is that the all-knowing God knows you. The all-knowing God knows you. And he's saying that personally. The all-knowing God, he knows me. The key word in this psalm is actually the word know. And it's actually used six times in this psalm and a seventh time using the word um, knowledge. And it's, it's really the key to understanding this psalm. If we, if we go on to verse 2, as, as you're tracking along with me, it says, David says, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, you and are, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. What David is saying here is that God knows everything about him 
even the most everyday things in his life. He knows the best and the worst, doesn't he? He knows the successes and he knows the failures. God knows that. He knows the public and he knows the private. God not only knows the external aspects of David's life, he knows the internal aspects of David's life, even those things down to his very own thoughts. He says, you are acquainted with all of my ways. Everything, every single aspect of who David was, down to his inner being, God knew. And now, this may be uncomfortable for you to know, but it's about time that you understood this. You are being watched. You are being watched. Okay, it's kind of freaky to understand this about God, but, but God watches you and he knows you on, on, on all those deep, deep levels. Now, it seems like today we can't go much of anywhere without being watched. Even now, I'm on camera, it's being streamed out to the internet, and I don't know who is watching me right now, okay? You might see me on the other side of the camera. You're watching me, but I don't know who you are. And if you go to Walmart or, or any, any public place, I guarantee you, you are being recorded. Um, your voice is probably, probably on a video recording. We see police officers walking around with body cameras to protect themselves and to protect others. Um, man, you're being recorded every single place you go. You even pull out the phone in your pocket, and you could be audio recording or video recording every single aspect of your life. You can't go much of anywhere without being watched. I was in, um, you know, I, I, sometimes it's, it's kind of interesting what technology does, and I haven't totally figured this one out. But it, you know how you can be having a conversation in the car about something random, and then you'll just start seeing ads for what you were, who's had that happen? Okay, okay, this is ridiculous. Now, they say, they say that, say, Google isn't recording you or listening to your conversations, but... Yeah, if you have their app on your phone or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, you know, they are, I guarantee it, they are probably listening to you or they just know you're really good. But like say you can be having a conversation about deodorant and then for the next two weeks all you see is Old Spice ads. <laughs> That's what happens, right? This is what happens, okay? And, and, and just so you know, God doesn't send you ads, but he watches you. He does. He knows all those conversations. He, he knows even those things that are done in secret. That is our God. You are being watched. Did you know, actually, that God's knowledge of you is actually greater than your own knowledge of yourself? Consider that for a moment. God's own knowledge is even greater than your own knowledge of yourself. He says, you discern my thoughts from afar. You see that? Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Now that's scary. God knows it all, even before it happens. We call it God's sovereignty, his omniscience, that he knows everything. And yet, this is the greatest truth. With all this knowledge and all this foreknowledge, God in his grace, chooses to love you. 
and care for you. He knows all your thoughts. He knows all those things that you think are hidden from him. He sees it all, and yet he chooses to love you and care for you. David says this. He says, you hem me in behind and uh, before. He says, you lay your hand upon me. Not only does does God love you and, and care for you, he protects you. He uses this word here, if, if you see it in that verse, he says, you hem me in. Um, he uses that word, word, word hem, or, or you may have that, it in your translation, the word hedge. You see the word hedge? Who has, who's got the word hedge in your translation? Yeah, not, not many of you. Okay. But, but this word, the word hedge or hem, actually, when I, when I think about it, I think about some ways that people pray in the past. Have you ever heard someone pray a prayer, um, Lord, put a hedge of protection around them? Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever prayed that bef- before, but I've heard a lot of people do it. And uh, whenever I think of it, I, all I get in, the, in my head is this image of like bushes around a house, right? And I'm just like, why would you pray that? <laughs> like, I don't want a hedge. I want a wall, Right? I want a wall of protection. Well, David is saying, he's saying, God, you provide this for me. It's, it's not just a row of bushes. It's a wall of protection. God is the one that protects him on every side. God's hand of grace is upon him. God knew him better than he knew himself. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And yet God's grace was upon him. What a wonderful and a humble place to be. So, number one, the all-knowing God, he knows you. He knows you. Okay, let's, let's keep on going in this psalm. And he goes on to talk about the presence of God in verses 7 through 12. And uh, to fill in the blanks here, the, the second point that I believe sums this, this section up is that he's talking about the all-present God is with you. The all-present God is with you. Verse 7, he says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me, and then light and and the light around me be night even the darkness is not dark to you the night is bright as the day for darkness is as light to you now david considered this next dimension about who god god was that god is present everywhere that there is no corner or dimension in the universe where he does not exist. We call this the omnipresence of God, that God is omnipresent. Actually, there was a, a, a commentator who, who wrote this. I'm going to bring it up on the screen. It said that the psalmist here was not trying to evade God. He wasn't trying to run away from him, but he was amplifying that God's knowledge is beyond the ability of humans to grasp. The knowledge or discernment of God can never be limited to any particular place because God's sovereignty extends to the whole created universe. Everything that he has created, he, is, he has knowledge over and is present in. 
There's no place that is hidden. Actually, NASA is discovering more and more about our universe, aren't they? And this past week, there were some images that came, came out from James, James Webb's space telescope revealing their deepest and their sharpest infrared images. Did you see them? How many of you guys saw them? Yeah. I'm going to put them up on the screen here because I, I think it's an amazing image that, that we can understand today. See, see what, what you see right here is that if you held a grain of sand at an arm's length, that is the field of view of this shot. And you see, all, you see all these little dots on this screen? You see all these little dots? All, all, these, all these little dots are stars. And each, actually, sorry, each one of them are galaxies. And each of the galaxies have millions of stars within them. And they estimate that each of these stars actually has at least one planet that, that orbits around them. Isn't that insane? Our God is huge, beyond our comprehension. That is our God. And so what, what David is saying is, my God, my God is infinite. He is all present. And even though he created all of this that we can't even put our, put our minds around, he is present with me. He's present with me. He says, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. From the farthest reaches of the universe to the depths of the grave, God is with you. He is present with you. His care extends to you. Okay, so let's just review. The all-knowing God, he knows you. The all-present God is with you. Then third... As we go on to 13 through 16, we see that the eternal God, he formed you. The eternal God formed you. David, he moves from his telescope, which he'd never had a telescope. All he had was his eyes, but I like to think that. He moves from his telescope to his microscope, and he also did not have a microscope, but we have them today, don't we? He moves from there. He said in verse 13, you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. See, David here, if you didn't know anything about him, he was known as a poet, as a shepherd, as a songwriter, as a warrior, giant killer, as a king, and I would like to add to that list as a scientist, because he made an observation that most scientists, I believe, would be hard-pressed to actually make. His observation was that he is fearfully and wonderfully created. He was created, not by evolution, not by random chance, but intentionally and purposefully. He was created and you were created by God and for God. That's, that's why. And here, here in David's psalm, he, he describes his understanding of it. He says, you formed my inward parts. 
You knit me together in my mother's womb. He's describing something that, especially in that day, was something that was unseen and mysterious. The formation of a baby in a mother's womb. It's, it's, it's for the most part, unseen and mysterious. Up until recently, with the invention of, of the sonogram, the ultrasound technology, um, it's given us some kind of pictures into there. I remember when, when we were pregnant with, with uh, when Precious was pregnant with each of our four kids, I couldn't really make heads or tails out of it, <laughs> but, uh, but, but they could, and so that was good enough for me. Now I think it's advanced a little bit to 3D and, and some other things, which is pretty cool. But man, when you consider the formation of the human body, let me just give you a few things that, that is known that will blow your mind about the human body. The human body baffles scientists' comprehension in its design, in its efficiency, and its complexity. The human heart begins beating within 22 days of conception. And it will beat your whole lifetime, 70, 80, 100 years, more than that. And in those, it will beat three billion times over your, over your lifetime, moving over 55 million gallons of blood. Wow. That's incredible. Medical science has also just scratched the surface on what goes on in the human brain. It's actually found that the human brain contains over 100 billion nerve cells. That's incredible. Okay. Next, um, Next to the brain, the, the next most complex thing is your eyes, your two eyes. Did you know that the most complex camera these days can take uh, like 50 megapixel pictures, but your human eyes can take over 576 megapixel video? Okay, that's, that's much better than 6K or 8K, okay? Just so you know, okay? That stuff might be coming. But uh, your brain actually has the memory capacity to even store it. I'm always getting frustrated because my hard drives are like getting, getting overfilled and I have to delete stuff. Your brain doesn't have to delete things. It can store it. It can do it. It, it actually, uh, I've never heard this word. It can, it can store up to 25 petabytes of memory. Never heard that word before. That is 2.5 million gigabytes of digital memory equivalent. God is incredible. No, we can't. No. <laughs> I need a better memory. <laughs> David, and David, he knew even with his limited understanding of God's intricate formation of himself, that he was created, and his creation was wonderful, that he was created on purpose, for a purpose. And David's knowledge um, was, was limited, but it was true. It was true, just as it is today. God's perfect knowledge of David actually not only preceded his conception, but it also, if you read on, it exceeded into the future. Verse 16. Keep reading. He says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. 
Did you know that before God created you, before God gave you your first breath, that God knew you and marked you with his image? He did. You have a purpose. We have a purpose that only we can fulfill. I don't know if you came to church this morning kind of feeling down about yourself, but that is a truth that you need to know, that you were created uniquely by God, for God, and for his purpose. You are valuable to God. You are valuable to God. And God did this knowing beforehand that you were even going to rebel against him. He did that. He still chose to love you and show his perfect grace to you. That's the kind of love that our creator has. And that's the kind of love that you need to know. If you don't know it yet, that's the kind of love that God has for each one of you. For you who is feeling, feeling uh, left out, worthless, feeling like giving up on life, God wants you to know that. He loves you. He created you. The all-knowing God, he knows you. The all-present God is with you. The eternal God, he formed you. And here's, here's, here's the joy that, that I know. The last point is this, that our all-powerful God is for you. The all-powerful God is for you. Just read through verses 17 through 24 with me to end this psalm, and we'll comment a little bit on it and bring some application. It says this in verse 17, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they, would, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Can I ask you, as, as, as we look at verse, verse um, 23... To end this end this psalm. What kind of God searches us and knows us and yet is for us? Romans 8:31. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him? graciously give us all things. This is a God who is for us, who knows us, searches us, and is for us. Can I ask you, though, do you find it comforting comforting to be searched and known by God? Do you find it comforting? Because to be honest, I get a little queasy when I think about this. There's some examples in Scripture that... Um, you know, that, that I'm going to look at. But, but realistically, when, when God searches me and sees me, he sees it all. 
He sees my intentions. He sees every action. He sees, he sees every motive. He sees every word, even the words that I don't say. He sees it all. And that's why we say there is nothing that we long for and nothing that we fear more than being known. There's nothing. Psalm 130, just back a few chapters, says this. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities... O Lord, who could stand? If God would keep a record of all our wrongs, all our iniquities, we couldn't stand. And the reality is that's, that's what we deserve. We can't stand before a holy God. But you know, there's an account in Scripture, that of Jesus with Peter. You remember what Peter did? Peter, while Jesus was betrayed and then on trial before Pilate and Felix and uh, Caiaphas. What was Peter doing? He was there denying Jesus. No, I don't know that man. No, I'm not one of his disciples. No, I never heard of him. He denied Jesus three times. He ran, he fled, he fled away from, from, from the battle. He, he fled from Jesus. And then what we know at the end of scripture is that the disciples end up going fishing. Remember that? They're out in their boat. They fished all night. And there's this guy that comes walking to the, you know, on the shore, and he's like calling out, hey, hey, you catch anything, right? Remember that? It's like, no, they hadn't caught anything all night. Skunked. I hate it when you go fishing and you don't catch anything. Man, they'd been all night fishing. They didn't catch a thing. And, and, and this guy from the shore yells out, hey, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Remember? They cast it on the other side. And so many fish start filling this net that they had to, you know, one, one boat starts, starts sinking because they're trying to take in all this fish and the other boat comes alongside of it and they, they bring in this massive catch and, and all of a sudden, Peter realizes, he looks on the shore and he realizes that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And he jumps in the water. He swims to shore and sees that Jesus has a fire and fish cooking over it already. How in the world? But there, as, as they're sitting down to eat some breakfast, Jesus had a question for Peter because he needed to restore him. He needed Peter to see himself the way that he saw him, not as a failure, but as, as forgiven. He asked Peter this. He said three times, he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And the, and the last time, Peter just responds. He says, uh, says this, Lord, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus, probably, I can just imagine because Jesus searches us and he knows us. He's looking at Peter. He could have he been reviewing every contradiction, every single doubt, every single regret. In Peter's mind, he had searched Peter and knew Peter. You know, Peter's fear and our fear is that when God searches us and knows us, he will not love us, isn't it? But here's the truth. That's what I'm here to tell you today. Jesus does know you, and he does love you. It says in Scripture, for while we were still weak, while we were still weak, sinners, strange from God, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the joy of the gospel, and that's the joy of this Psalm 139, isn't it? The joy of the gospel is that God has searched you, and he knows you, but yet he has chosen to love you unconditionally and sacrificially. You don't have to fear rejection. You don't have to fear betrayal, because Jesus endured rejection and betrayal himself on your behalf. You don't have to fear it anymore. That's the gospel. The gospel means good news. He cried out from the cross. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he bore the penalty of sin on himself, he was forsaken so that we didn't have to. He endured rejection and he offers you his righteousness. You can be known by God if you will simply repent of your sins and place your faith in him as Lord and Savior. Don't leave here without a relationship with God. Don't leave here without being known by the God who loves you, who sacrificed his life for you. Let's just uh, stand right now. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. You know, we've, we've got application for both of us as, 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 we, as we end, all of us here today. And we're going to have a baptism here in, in the next few minutes. But as we just close, I want to just give you an opportunity. If you want to be known by God, just reach out in faith to him and just pray, Lord Jesus, I want to be known by you. I know you see all of my sin and all of my shame. And God, I realize that that is sin. My sin separates, separates me from you. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross to take my shame, to take my rejection. God, would you forgive me? I want to be your child. Make me new. Cleanse me with your blood. Search me, God, and know me. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me. And because of Jesus, and because he has made the way, lead me in the way everlasting. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for those that have called upon your name this morning in faith to say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you that we can know you. Thank you that you know us and you do not reject us. Thank you that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God, we sing out, we rejoice in that today, and we love you. Pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you are impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.